Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beerlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fock is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kempak's cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe with that incredibly awesome theme song by our very own Eric. It is time for Trek Talking. It is Thursday night. We are live for the next two hours. Our phone number here is 646-668-2400. Three, three, and we would love to hear from you. And yes, we are live. It is not Memorex. We are live. You can call and talk to us right now. We have a very, very busy show for you guys tonight. We got a lot to talk about. And before we do that, I'd like to introduce my Trexperts, our ever-growing family of Trexperts. We'll start. And actually, um, I'm quickly outnumbered. I went I just I fell to the minority like overnight. It's just amazing. Um, anyways, I like to start off with my first Trek expert. He's out in Portland, and we're talking about David. How you doing tonight, David? Pretty good, pretty good. I can't wait for the show. It's going to be fun. And another Portlandite, Portlander, I guess you want to say, is Paul the Wine Guy. How you doing, Paul? Please state the nature of your medical emergency. <laughs> I want to make sure to turn you off before we More wine. (laughs) More wine. More wine. And uh, also from Portland, our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I am doing so good. Uh, It is a nice 55-degree day here in town, and I made it home just in time for the podcast. Traffic was was touch and go there for a moment, but, uh, but I made it, and here I am. Well, you always could have beamed over. I tried, uh, and you know, they wouldn't uh, lock onto my signal. There was some sort of interference or something. I don't know. You know, who, who knows been... what sorts of quantum things happen on the flip side of whatever? Yeah, it's the highs of the Jawas. And also, not in Portland, but in Vegas, we have our very own Charles. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Back on the roller coaster of weather still. And I'm not sure if we're blowing a little closer towards Reno or a little closer to L.A. The wind, I think the city city shifted again. Well, it's nice up here in Vermont. I'm the only one over here. I'm all by myself, way up here in New England. But that's okay. That's the way I like it. So we have a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to talk about Star Trek Picard. Monsters, which was last week's episode. I intentionally have not watched tonight's episode because I'm old and senile and I mix them together and then say stuff I shouldn't. So I have not watched tonight's episode. We'll be talking about last week's episode. 
But the big news, the biggest news is that we have the first five titles of Star Trek Strange New World and the plot synopses of those episodes. And we're going to dive real deep. We're going to go right down a rabbit hole on that one. Two weeks away. I can't wait. But we also have the new Hallmark 2022 ornaments and Star Trek The Motion Picture Influences Star Trek Picard Season 3. But wait, there's more. We also have Star Trek Birthdays, our convention calendar, and fan shout-outs. So we've got a lot to talk about, guys. Once again, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call and join in the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. We have 93,751 followers on our Facebook page. And you can go there at facebook.com backslash truck talking and beyond. And you'll see at the top of the page, live long and prosper. Please go there and tell us where you're listening from. And if you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means you've been chosen for a fan shout out and you want to tune into the next show so you can hear your name. And Eric, let's start off with our fan shout outs. Who's on your list? Oh, man, we have a diverse cast out here this week. Uh, Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Francisco Niera, who comes from Guayaquil, Ecuador, uh, and uh, incidentally, not our first person uh, from that city. But Francisco, uh, I did not write down the person of the other, or the name of the other person who uh, has come from there, but I will tell you that I have looked up your fair city once before and uh, very much appreciate your support. So hello to Francisco and kapla. We're also saying hello this week to Stjepko Petrovic in Croatia, who sends us a little Croatian flag as well. So live long and prosper to you as well, sir. Uh, hello, and uh, thank you very much for listening to Frank W. McDougal in Houston, Texas, right here in the United States of America. And if you hear that helicopter outside, I left my window open, and oh my gosh, it's flying right over my house. <laughs> wow. radio, people. <laughs> Uh, we're also saying hello this week to Wouter de Bear from Utrecht, Netherlands. And I will tell you, uh, I used to have a good friend uh, from Utrecht uh, named Pim Boss. So hello to Pim Boss if you're listening, or maybe Wouter, you you perhaps know him. Uh, say hello for me. Uh, and we're also sending out a big hello and kapla to Gemma Martinez G in Barcelona, Spain, in the region of Catalu- uh, uh, Catalonia. Uh, and I've been there, and Barcelona is one heck of a city. Uh, if you're going to pick a spot uh, in Spain, that is not a bad place to pick. Uh, so, Charles, who would you like to say hello to this week? Let's start off with Juan Gilberto in El Paso, Texas. Fred Wilkinson from New South Wales, Australia. Another one of our down-unders. Dave McIntyre from Vulcan, Alberta. I don't know if there is a Vulcan in Alberta or that's just a person, but it gives us a live long and prosper. Ruanne Fitz from South Africa. And Jessica Elizabeth Brown Lesboska from Virginia, Virginia City, Richmond. Jim, how about your list? I well, I like to New say, York. I, I actually did. Yes, I did. Um, <clears throat> we'd like to say kapla and thank you to listening to Keith Slocum from upstate New York. 
which is any place other than Orange County and South, which is huge. So thank you for listening to Keith Slocum. We'd also like to say thank you to Cherry Lindbergh from Saskatchewan, Canada, which is awesome. Jeffrey Townsley from, from oh, I can't read it. From Kilmanark, Scotland. I got to make this bigger, my Lord. We'd also like to say Kapla to Carrie Farmer, who's listening in Palm Coast, Florida. And last, but definitely not least, we want to say Kapla to Nick Baker, who's listening to us in Wales, UK. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We really, really appreciate it. And if you'd like to hear your name on a future fan shout-out, just head on over to our Facebook page and let us know where you're listening from. Look for a heart next to your name, and you'll be all set. Well, guys, we're not done yet. We've got a lot to talk about. Coming up next, we have our Star Trek birthdays, and there's quite a few. So uh, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith that you call we want to hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe in just talking today. You've got faith in your fingers. All you got to do is bow down. You can reach us right now. We've got faith. We've got faith. Faith that you call. And that number to call is 646-668-2433. Welcome back. We're going to do our Star Trek birthdays. And before we do our Star Trek birthdays, we have to do this. was not a Klingon song. No, it wasn't, but we like it anyways. And every week we start off our birthdays remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for the first time in a very long time, at least as long as I can remember, we have very, very few, as in less than five, remembrances and well well over uh, maybe 12 or 15 birthdays, which I guess is good because that means more members of our Star Trek family are with us this week than aren't. But Eric, why don't you start us off with our remembrances? Sure. Our very first remembrance this week goes out to actor Michael Ansara, and that is a name that you should know because he, of course, uh, was best known for playing Kang, both in the TOS era uh, in the Day of the Dove episode, uh, and then later reprising the role in DS9's Blood Oath and Voyager's Flashback. Uh, but that, of course, was not his only uh, Star Trek appearance. He also played the character of JL in the DS9 uh, fourth season episode, The Muse. Uh, so somebody who is well 
uh, regarded and well-traveled in the Star Trek universe, would have had a birthday this week, Michael Ansara, the original one and only Kang. We're also remembering this week uh, actor Peter Mark Richman, who played Ralph Offenhaus in the TNG episode, The Neutral Zone, uh, one of those great uh, Romulan episodes. Uh, of course, uh, he was not a Romulan. Uh, twist. <laughs> he usually turns out to be a Romulan. Spoiler uh, alert! But, yeah. Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so happy birthday and remembrances going out to Peter Mark Richman this week. And just the final, a third and final one on my list this week, uh, we are paying homage to Rhodes Reason, who played Flavius Maximus in TOS's episode, Bread and Circuses, one of those ones that, uh, of course, is right up there on the top at least 10 or 15 watch list uh, for TOS episodes for me. So uh, happy birthday to Rhodes Reason. Charles, I got to tell you something about the neutral zone. Yeah. I remember watching that episode the first time that we saw it when that Romulan warbird decloaks and yeah. the Romulans show up and say, we're and back. Like, we were going crazy. We I went know. crazy because it was the first time we ever saw a Romulan ship other than the bird of prey from TOS. And yeah. we went bonkers over that ship. We just loved it. So that was pretty yeah, cool. Totally. And that was back in the day when you couldn't just like all of a sudden go on the internet and look up information on that ship. Like you were sent scrambling trying to be like, what is that thing? Why is it hollow in the middle? Why did, you know, it just, I don't know. It looks so cool. And it, you did, it did. And the, the, the awesome thing about that episode towards the end, you'll remember they have that side shot where they show the relative size of the enterprise D, which at that time was the biggest of all the enterprises ever. And then they show this Romulan warbird next to it, and it's just like, you know, it's like 10 times the size of it. I mean, it just is ridiculous. People forget how big those ships are. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. We <laughs> went crazy. Cool. <laughs> yep. And uh, Charles, who's on your list who is still with us? Okay, I'm going to start my list of, <clears throat> of our 24 birthdays this week. Start off with Michael Forrest, who played Apollo in TOS's Who Mourns for Adonis. But he was also recently a Star Trek connection, playing, I, be- I think the credit said himself, in Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> but I he looked did. at his credits. I looked at his credits like, okay, he's got between acting and a few others, over 260 credits on IMDb. Wow. Wow. He just... Mike Gomez played Damon Parr in TNG's The Last Outpost and Damon Lorin in Rascal. Yeah. So he liked playing Ray Ra, a Rangi. I'm surprised we didn't see more of them. Clive Rebel played Sir Guy of Gisborne in TNG's Cupid. He doesn't have quite so many credits. He's only got 195 credits. Oh, is that it? On IMDb. But. This was an interesting one when I looked at him. Does anybody know his Star Wars connection? 
Uh, not without cheating. I want you to reveal it. I do, I do, I do. He, he was the voice of the Emperor in Star Trek, The Empire Strikes Back. But but only only in the non-special edition. Really? Do they put the different voice in the special edition? Yeah, in the well, special because, editions, it's all Ian McDermott. And in the original yeah. old school, uh, where it wasn't altered, it was the great Clive Revel. So good call. That's right. That's great. That's right. Very different voice. See, like Boba Fett. Yeah. Not only fun, but educational. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the more you know. Yep. James Daly played Varia in TNG's The Most Toys. And if you're trying to remember which character it is, that is the one that Evis Fajo shot. Aw. Tragic. And With the Veron Disruptor, which is the most painful and outlawed weapon yeah, yep. in the Federation. Exactly. Which ties him into Lower Deck and the latest Picard book about Rios. That's right. Believe it or not. Lisa Michelle Cornelius played Sarah in Short Trek Trouble with Edward. <laughs> a recent and birthday. I think she was a trill. She had the trill dots, but they didn't specifically say she was a trill, but I think that she was. Might have been. And then some interesting birthdays that I got to keep. <coughs> Clint Howard played Balak in, T- <coughs> in TOS's Corbinite Maneuver. Played Grady in DS9's Past Tense Part 2 we just talked about. Muck in Enterprise's Acquisition and Orion Drug and played a Ryan drug dealer in Discovery's Will You Take My Hand? If the name sounds somewhat familiar, he is a famous Howard as he is the younger younger brother to I can't think of his first name, Ron, Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. The famous actor from Happy Days and director. And many so where do we... himself. But where do we see him most recently? I'm not sure. Jim. Uh, what? What? I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, se- I'm setting up. I'm, I'm trying oh, to set stuff up for the next segment, and I, and I was, wasn't sorry. paying attention. I'm sorry. What, what was the question? <laughs> where we see where we see Clint uh, Howard um, more recently than Discovery. Oh, he just showed up in in uh, the last episode um, of Picard. There. Yeah, yeah. So Picard, Sorry to yeah. Off guard there. <laughs> I was trying yeah, to get busy, yeah. and I didn't realize you were busy. <laughs> no, I was I was trying to line up the soundbite for the next commercial and make everything, and I wasn't paying attention because I I knew Charles had a lot to read, and then I heard my name, and I had to snap back real quick. So, yeah, sorry, cameo appearance as Guy who follows, uh, uh, who is it? Is it Seven or is it Gerardi? Uh, I'm trying to remember back now in this episode, just like dude who follows woman, and that's about it. Yes. Yep, he showed up, which was nice. Yep. Well, I guess one more we forgot to add to his credit. 
Herman Zimmerman was a long-running art director, production designer for TNG, DS9, this Voyager, Enterprise. He also, due to a special recommendation from the director, Star Trek V and Star Trek VI. He's in the modern era compared to, I think it's, um, I can't remember the first name, Jeffries from TOS. That's who they compare him to. And then, I had to add this one in there. One of my favorite D&D characters, to to Yen. (laughs) Better known to fans as Gray Paul, it's Ian Alexander. And the two Yen, for those who don't know the reference, that's his character name from Disco Does D&D. I haven't kept, I haven't got caught up with all the episodes, but they have a ball in their D&D session. And we've talked a little bit about a little bit about their D and D session from their DM himself when he's visits visited our show. Now I can Paul. Paul, who's on your list? Oh, we've got some interesting folks here this week. I tell you, all kinds of good people here, bringing back all kinds of good memories. First off, a memorable happy birthday to Elizabeth Lindsay, who played uh, Lucia Kim on the Next Gen episode, Home Soil. There's Courtney Peldon. You might remember as Commander Karen Ferris on the Deep Space 9 episode, Valiant. And this next one is a tower of power. The (laughs) godfather of punk himself, Iggy Pop. Yes, Iggy Pop from Star Trek who played Yelgrun in the Deep Space Nine episode, Cue the Music, The Magnificent Ferengi. It doesn't oh, get any better than that. Episode. That's fabulous. Episode. <laughs> and I have to tell you that he has a great Star Trek Attack Wing card, too, and I've always wanted to meet Iggy Pop one day and have him sign his Star Trek Yelgrun attack <laughs> like card. So Eric keeps that card with him wherever he goes. It's in his wallet. I do. Because you, you never like, know. Just in case. You know, you're in line at Starbucks, right? And you're like, wait a second. Are you the godfather of punk? (laughs) When are the Stooges getting back together, Mr. Pop? Please tell me. (laughs) It could happen any time. That's a king right there, man. That's a king. Mm. Also, happy birthday to Rod Loomis, Dr. Paul Mannheim in the Next Gen episode, We'll Always Have Paris. Vito Roginis. Chief Engineer Logan in an early TNG episode, The Arsenal of Freedom. I love that episode, but that guy was a dink and a half. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, my God. Someone (laughs) needed to slap him upside the head. Man. You need to calm down. Spend some time on the holodeck, will you, Chief? Yeah, I mean, he was giving Jordy the same guy. (laughs) Didn't like him at all. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he was trying to get a promotion through nefarious means, I think. He was I you know, Yeah, I think he was a not, not a team player. No. I mean, proof that not that Starfleet is not always the cream of cream of the crop, right? No. 
I heard uh, yeah, exactly. Jordy just sort of, you know, energized him and left him in the pattern buffer. You know, basically, yeah. you know. See you later. Hanging, hanging out there with Scotty. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what happened to uh, Chief Logan. He kind of disappeared. I'm not sure. But also, super happy birthday to the inevitably awesomely cool Robert Hooks. Admiral Morrow, Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. You can't go out there, Jim. We don't want you to do that. you got to follow rules. He's like trying to you know, lay it down like it's supposed to be. Sorry, Admiral. We're going to just go rogue on you here. Happy awesome birthday to Kamala Lopez. Uh, played the character of Tinko on uh, Voyager episode Virtuoso and finishing big here, finishing big with the delicious Ashley Judd, a.k.a. Ensign Robin Leffler, Next Gen episodes, Damok and the Game. How come there's where did she just not get more at work, more episodes? I mean, come on, Ashley Judge, that's a great character. Everybody loves that character and uh, made quite an impression in the, those two I, episodes. I know uh, Ansel and Wesley Crusher thought she made a heck of an impression, but uh, good stuff. Paul, I have well, to I wanna... they just could not afford her or something because I absolutely agree with you. I thought her character was amazing, and I am just. I don't know if it was just her, her look or her acting or the character, the writing or what it was, but I was just enamored with her in both of those episodes. Maybe I was following Wesley's path. Maybe that's what it, it was. It could be. Was it just, could be. Yeah. But she <laughs> will live forever in the annals of fan fiction. There's no question about that. And, um, you know, it's, what are you going to do? I think we need to pass the baton back over to uh, Uncle Jim. Uncle Jim, I think yep. you got like yep. take a deep breath, brother. <laughs> oh man, I told you we got a lot. It's a good thing we split these up a little bit. So um, the first one, if I mispronounced the name, I apologize. Uh, we'd like to say happy birthday to Peter Slutsker. Would you guys agree that that's right, Slutsker? Could be that, or it could or it could be Slutsker. I'm not sure. Either way. Slutsker sounds better. It does. <laughs> Peter Slutsker. Uh, he was uh, a Ferengi. He played lots of Ferengi. He played Nibar in TNG's Manaja Troy, the one that kidnapped um, uh, Loxana and yep. Deanna and Riker. He also played another Ferengi, Dr. Rega, in TNG's Suspicions. Another Ferengi, Rita, in TNG's Bloodlines. My God, you seeing a pattern here? Uh, mm-hmm. But he broke it. He played he played the Kremen Commandant in Voice episode Year of Hell Part One and Part Two. So happy birthday to Peter. We'd like to say happy birthday to Eleanor Donahue who played Commissioner Nancy Hedford in TOS's Metamorphosis. This is the one where um, we meet Zephram Cochran for the first time, and he's been hanging out on this planet for what eighty five years or something, being kept alive by a flickering light bulb. Interesting. Um, yeah. So happy birthday to Eleanor Donahue. And we'd like to say happy 32nd birthday to Sol Rodriguez, who plays Dr. Tessa Ramirez on Star Trek Picard. We're going to talk about her tonight. Definitely talk about her tonight because her and Rios are going in some places that maybe they ought not to go. We're going to talk about that later. So happy birthday. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Leslie Silva, who played Danica Erickson in Enterprise's Daedalus. That's the daughter of the dude that invented transporters, in case you didn't know. Uh, we'd also like to say this woman was awesome. I, I, before I tell you, uh, she was 
one of the first people I ever interviewed live on this podcast. And um, she was a delight to talk to. You guys can go back through our archives and find it. She starred in Axanar, and I had her on talking about Axanar, but she also talked about being on Battlestar Galactica. And she talked about her famous father. And, Eric, who was her famous father? Uh, her famous father is – you mean the character's famous father, right? Yes. Is Captain Archer, of course, from Enterprise. That's right. And we're talking about Kate Vernon, who played Commander Valerie Archer slash Species 8472 in Boys episode In the Flesh. She was a great interview. She was a lot of fun. I would also like to say happy birthday to a guy who's been on our podcast twice. He also does the uh, Disco Does D&D, which Eric talked, or Charles had mentioned earlier. And we may actually have him back on the podcast a little bit later because when we had him on the podcast, he couldn't talk about Star Trek Discovery. But I now know. That now now he that can. it's over, he can, <laughs> and we can have him back on, and he can share his thoughts, tell us about his lovely wife. Mary Wiseman, a.k.a. Tilly, and he can talk about all those things he couldn't talk about before. I'm talking about none other than Noah Averbat Catch, who played Rin, the, the antenna-less Andorian on Star Trek Discovery. Can I tell you, Joe, and just real quick, that I think one of the best ideas I read this week was it's too bad they killed him off because wouldn't a little side series about him and Grudge have been awesome? Like a little, that would have been sh- <laughs> like a couple of short. It would have been perfect. You know? <laughs> it would have been perfect. <laughs> yep. And uh, the last, the last one, and I always save the Klingons for last. We got to bear that in mind. So the last one I have on my list, the big one, is 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 a legend. Um, I have met this guy so many times at conventions, not only at conventions but political events. And I got to tell you a story. Uh, he was at RPI College in Troy doing a political conference. And we all went. I was dressed up as a Klingon. We all had our Star Trek uniforms. We got there early. We sat in the front row. This was right around Star Trek VI, right around the 90s, nine, mid-90s. And all these political people were giving all these boring speeches about all kinds of crap that I didn't care about, don't understand, and have no inclination. And he comes out and... Uh, there we are in the front row, and before he did anything, anything at all, he said, there's a couple of people here in the front row that that uh, I want to talk to first and pick the first question. And he talked to us first, which was great, and then we sat through the rest of the boring thing. And then when, the, when it was over, we went up to talk to him, and he told us, he said, Star Trek follows him everywhere he goes. And he always stops to thank Star Trek fans for everything they've done for him. So he is a class act all the way around. And of course, I'm talking about our very own Mr. Sulu himself, Mr. George Takai. So happy oh birthday to George. 85 yeah. years old, I think. Yeah, 85 years 85 old. 85 years Mr. young. Yep. So that's pretty, pretty cool. If you get a chance to meet him at a convention, he's awesome. Absolutely awesome. And as I said, I always do the Klingons last. And although I guess she's only half Klingon, no, mm-hmm. she'd be quarter Klingon. She'd one be quarter, quarter Klingon. Right. One quarter Klingon. So she only has like a, a, a half of a ridge on one side of tiny her head, ridges. I guess. Tiny, yeah, tiny, tiny ridges. 
baby Richard, but they're so cute. Uh, yes, we'd like to say happy birthday to Lisa Lucero, who played Ensign Miral Paris on Void's Endgame. And, you know, I'm not sure. That was all a time travel episode. So, yeah. well, don't get me started. Yeah, yeah, so, so there's some, mm. like, she doesn't, yeah. Well, but the, the cool thing is that she's born, like, while they're coming back, which, like, opens up a whole, like, bucket full of uh, discussions that I would love to have on a special Monday night show sometime. Let's talk about Miro yeah. Paris on a Monday night some night. So the Miro Paris that we meet might not necessarily be well, well, anyways. Happy no, 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 birthday and kapla. Save it for Monday. <laughs> yes. No, no Q shenanigans. Well, guys, that wraps up our rather lengthy birthdays for the week. Boy, was there a lot. But we're not done yet. Because coming up next, we have convention calendar, so don't touch that dial. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back, and uh, I shortened up the convention calendar uh, just a little bit because uh, we had so many birthdays, and we have so much cool stuff to talk about, Strange New Worlds. So our convention calendar has been narrowed down from 15 to 9 for this week, but that's all right. So without any further ado, it's time for convention, 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 calendar, calendar. guys i know COVID is winding down but it's still out there so please check with the venues for any restrictions or rescheduling before you attend any of these conventions and eric start us off please you better believe it and we're starting right up in jim's neck of the woods at the vermont sci-fi fantasy expo april 23rd and 24th oh my gosh that's this weekend at the champlain valley exposition in essex junction vermont uh and guys yeah. I will be there. I'm going to be there Ooh. waving my batlet around. So if you come and you ask nice, I'll let you touch my batlet. I'm going to be there with Ewok Karen. And uh, I was hoping that Leslie Hoffman could be joining us as well. But she's feeling a little bit under the weather, so she won't be there. But we have a brand new banner that we're going to premiere at the Sci-Fi Expo. And um, I would love to meet you. So if you're in the area, stop by and say hello. And uh you know, let me put a face to the to the name. I would love to meet you guys. So stop by if you can. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be there on Saturday from 9 to 6. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's also, they're going to have a big gaming expo and uh, all kinds of great stuff. So check it out if you can. That sounds really awesome, Jim. Uh, I wish I was in Vermont this weekend. Uh, I would totally come by and uh, and check out your bat list and the rest of the, the con there. It sounds like fun. <laughs> uh, so uh, carrying on, we're also uh, tracking the Fan Expo in Cleveland, Ohio, April 29th to May 1st. That's next weekend at the Huntington Convention Center of Cleveland in Cleveland, Ohio. 
And uh, last on my list is ToolCon, April 29th through May 1st next weekend at the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Paul, uh, what conventions do you have on your calendar? Well, back up a second, man. Did I just hear Jim say, you can touch my batlet? Absolutely. Uh, Okay, I I just those words may have never been spoken ever on the internet before, so I just wanted to make sure that I'm not you know missing a historical moment. (laughs) Every everywhere I go, uh, people always ask me, "Can I touch your bat lift?" Everywhere I go, I whip out my bat lift, and people want to touch it. I end up passing it around. I mean, even my cat AJ wants to touch my bat lift. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near that thing, man. I'll tell you that. But, uh, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Well, we got some good con action happening here, friends. Are you ready for this? This is great. First of all, get your tickets now, and you better hurry. It's DemiCon 2022, May 6th through 8th at the Holiday Inn Hotel and Suites in Des Moines, Northwest Des Moines, Iowa. And what happens in Iowa stays in Iowa. So get on down there and check that out. Uh, around you know, that I same was born week. in Iowa, I, but I work in outer space. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That same week, May 6th through 8th, at the Sheraton Atlanta Hotel, Atlanta, Georgia, it's Villains Expo 2022. And you villains, you know who you are. So bring your, your evil, nefarious ways and mingle with your kind. Pretty sure that was the plot of the Minions movie, wasn't it? The, the villain con, evil con. Yeah. That's, a, that's what I'm remembering. So I guess if you want to live that in real life, this is where you can go. Uh, Villains Expo. I wish I was in Atlanta. Actually, I don't wish I was in Atlanta. But still, I would go to Villain Expo wherever it was. And pals in the Buckeye State, are you ready? It's Ohio Fan Fest 2022, May 13th through 14th at the Metroplex Expo Center in sunny Girard, Ohio. Grab your utility belts and get there. It's going to be amazing. But the, wait, there's more, still more fan con mayhem. Charles, what do we got, brother? Let's start off with Northern Fan Con. May 13th through 15th. <coughs> CN Center. <coughs> Prince George, BC, British Columbia. <coughs> Up in Canada. <coughs> Sorry about that. Star City, Denver. May 13th through 15th. High Regency, Denver Tech Center. Denver, Colorado. And this is one I'm sure we all would love to pop into. Comic-Con Liverpool, May 21st and 22nd. Exhibit, exhibit, Exhibitant Center, Liverpool, Liverpool, UK. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, where that, that's where that band, The Bugs, is from, right? Yeah. The Carrot Tops or something? Yeah. You never can tell. To do with, it's, it's the like, monkeys, wasn't it? The, the monkeys. I'm yeah, about the monkeys, right? Yeah. I don't. Something to do with bugs. I can't remember why. The turtles, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Everyone will talk like really this. Is. Who's there at that particular convention? <laughs> They'll all be talking like this. That's lovely. <laughs> 
Well, guys, that wraps up our convention calendar. As I said, I shortened it up a little bit because our birthdays were so long and because we have so much great stuff to talk about for Strange New Worlds because Anton Mount is the man. Anyways, we're not done yet. We've got some Star Trek news coming up, so don't touch that dial. We're going to hear from our very own Eric in an incredibly awesome alternate theme song for Star Trek Discovery that they decided not to use. And they went with another version. But for those of you who don't have the um, gag reel or um, have never heard the alternate version of the Star Trek Discovery theme song, guess what? I'm going to play it for you right now. And when we come back, we're going to have Star Trek news. So enjoy this exclusive alternate Discovery theme song right here on Trek Talking. Put her in her angel suit, she will never fail To lead her ship on future trips to save the spirit aid of Saru with Starfleet through and through, but I'm sure and true The crew went all the way that day on a three-hour tour A three-hour tour Time travel was very rough and Burnham paid the cost that day Saru saved a whole dog crew But Discovery was lost Discovery was lost They splashed the ship right down You see in the 32nd century With Burnham And Mr. Saru Oh, Wushukun And Edmer The Emperor The Doctor And Stamitan Here on Discovery Hear my tale of discovery, a crew who's not all fine. They'll have to do the best they can to fit into this new time. Burnham and Captain Saru will do all that they can to take care of their crew, you see, and execute the plan. New races, world relationships, and new technology. Discovery was an ancient ship as primitive as in me. So turn up on each Thursday night right here on your TV. You never know what you will see here on Discovery. God, I love that. Maybe they'll use that song for season five. <laughs> right? You never know. It's, they could. It's a little tailored towards the beginning of season three, but I think they could tweak. We could tweak it just a little bit and make it relevant for season five. Yeah, for sure. I, I love it. I love it, David. What do you think? What do you think about our alternate discovery theme song? Do you like it? I like it better than the uh, theme songs for Enterprise. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's a low yeah, bar, yeah, my yeah. friend. Yeah, I, I um. <laughs> I do want to say though that that we we made up that theme song with with all the love it, that is intended and just for the fun of it. Uh, we didn't make it up to be facetious or because we're haters. I we, we made it up because of something that Kovic says in season and what episode? Well, in the middle of the season, there he actually makes the comment of you're going to go on a three hour tour. And no one, no one catches that. Kovic knew it. I don't know, but no one else caught it. Um, we did because we all watched Gilligan's Island. But in the 32nd century, they have no idea. And I thought that's great. We got to run with that. So I, I threw together some some quick lyrics, but Eric actually polished it up and and made it into what you just heard. So congratulations on that. It's awesome. All right, guys. So we heard the alternate theme song. 
for season five of Star Trek Discovery. Are you ready for, for some? <laughs> Priority <laughs> one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. All right, Charles, you get to lead us off with our first news story of the night. Okay, and I just actually found out about this last night at my Star Trek club meeting. Homeward brings Star Trek Strange New Worlds home for the holidays with Captain Pike's U.S. Enterprise ornament. Continuing the 30-plus years of Star Trek holiday ornaments, Hallmark is heading in the final frontier once more to celebrate Star Trek's strange new worlds this holiday season. Captain Pike's USS Enterprise is a franchise featured Hallmark keepsake ornament for 2022. With the modernization fusion class starship warping into collector's homes in October. Retailing in the U.S. for $32.99. Strange New World Starship Enterprise will feature integrated lighting. Other new Hallmark products for 2022 include another pair of plush My Itty Bitties this year, Guinan and Judge Q from Star Trek The Next Generation, arriving in November at a U.S. price of $9.99. Finally, also previewing a classic Trek take, on the Snow Globe product coming in August, the original Enterprise Transport Bay turned into a light and sound water globe, which will retail for $99.99 in the U.S. So check out Hallmark and get more details about what's coming up this year for Star Trek and other collectibles that they'll have this year. I've got to get me a Pike's Enterprise for sure. Yeah. I think it would be kind of fun oh, yeah. to have the little itty bitty Guinan and Judge Q, and they're only ten bucks. I mean, why not, right? I got to tell you guys a story because that's what I do. I'm full of stories. Um, back in 1991, when Hallmark put out the very first Enterprise ornament, um, a friend of ours who was working on the convention with us walked into a local Hallmark store and saw it and said, "I want a whole case of those." And Hallmark said, "Sure." And we ended up getting a case of 75 Enterprise ornaments. Now, I don't know if you guys remember back in 1999 or 1991, but that Hallmark ornament was like Tickle Me Elmo. Try to find one back in 1991. And I had 75 of them. These (laughs) things were, they were 1999. They were selling for upwards of $300 at Star Trek conventions. And I had a case of 75. My good friend Mark B. Lee was doing a Star Trek convention meets Lost in Space in Atlantic City at the convention center. And we went down there and had our case of Enterprise ornaments. I only brought six with me because I figured I'll never, I'll be lucky if I sell one at this price, but I brought six. And uh, we were only, we were only selling them for a hundred dollars. And everybody else was selling them for three. And we, we had death threats. We had, we had other dealers threatening us because we were selling them too cheap 
And I was like, whoa, okay, we'll, we'll put them away and maybe we won't sell them because I don't want to die over a piece of plastic. So uh, we didn't sell our enterprise ornaments at Atlantic City, but that's how rare those were and how hard they were to find in 1991. So I suggest you run out and get the new enterprise ornament as soon as you see it at Hallmark because you never know the scarcity of these things. So, hey, Uncle Jim, do you still have any? Actually, um, funny story, David. <laughs> I have the original <laughs> ornament. Thanks for asking that question. I had the original <laughs> ornament from 1991, which was hanging on, keyword was, hanging on my tree for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And I finally, you know, I ended up selling it um, finally because, yeah, I just needed, I needed the money for something and I sold it. So I no longer have that actual ornament, but I still have the shuttlecraft and the Enterprise D, but not that one. So, you know, but I did have it for decades, decades. I had it. Nice. I will not part with my Pikes Enterprise when I get one. (laughs) Eric, what do you have for us? Oh, well, I've got a pretty cool story about a topic that we were recently discussing. Elements of Star Trek The Motion Picture are coming to Picard Season 3. Say what you want about Star Trek The Motion Picture, but it is hard to deny the incredible soundtrack that accompanied the film. Created by composer Jerry Goldsmith, the score featured five distinct motifs, which accompanied certain characters and situations. And the opening fanfare for the movie, known as The Enterprise, was beloved by Trek creator Gene Roddenberry. According to Film Tracks, The Great Bird of the Galaxy made sure that this new Trek theme would be joined with Alexander Courage's original Trek music for his new show, Star Trek The Next Generation. Part of how Goldsmith achieved that dark sound, the deep, empty, electrical noise was actually made by someone else on his team. That person, inventor, actor, and musician, is Craig Huxley. He created the musical instrument which made those galactic sounds for the motion picture. Quote, the instrument is known as the blaster beam, (laughs) which is just a totally awesome name. According to Huxley's website, the 18-foot-long instrument is, quote, strung with numerous tensed wires under which are mounted magnetic and, oh my gosh, piezoelectric pickups. Sound exciters can be slid to alter the sound produced. The instrument is played by striking, rubbing, slamming, and plucking the strings with fingers, sticks, pipes, and even large shell casings. Huxley will be joining the show's composer, Stephen Barton, and put together the music. Uh, does that mean fans will also see V'ger? It certainly would be a fun addition to Picard Season 3. Even though Huxley's sound is very closely associated with the robotic character, fans have not seen V'ger since the end of the motion picture. Um, that sound, that and, and what they're talking about, of course, is that every time V'ger comes in in the motion picture, you hear that, like, and it's a like really yeah. deep electronic and I always thought that it was actually made electronically with um, with a setting that's on many keyboards called pads and there are various like tones of pads that are made and you could you could program a pad to sound like that and then actually manipulate the tone 
uh, and the pitch of the sound with a couple of joysticks on your keyboard. But that was actually made with an 18-foot-long acoustic instrument that they recorded, um, which I just think is awesome. Um, as a musician myself, particularly one that plays stringed instruments, I'm all into people creating their own instruments and one that's 18 feet long and makes awesome sounds for an awesome motion picture. <laughs> sounds like something I want to see in Picard season three. And I always thought that that is the sound of V'ger. That's yeah, the way right? I understand. I mean, that's the thing, Jim, is I feel like that sound captures a moment in time when, and that's why I always thought it was electronic, because honestly, that transition from the late 70s to the early 80s was a time when electronic music was starting to become way more popular. Like the cost of keyboards came down, people understood programming and how to make those different sounds. Um, and I, that's why I always just assumed it was an electronic sound because it was of that time. And to me, it does sound like V'ger. It sounds like V'ger talking or like communicating information or something. That's what I thought. Every time I see it, I think that's V'ger communicating wow. through lights and sound like we saw in Discovery Season 4. Yeah, totally. Interesting. Well, I have the coup d'etat of stories. And I hogged this one up for myself because Ansem Out is the man. And so I grabbed this one. And uh, this one's entitled Strange New Adventures, Titles and Descriptions of the First Five Episodes. So there could be some spoilers here. So if you don't want to know what's going yeah, on with uh, Strange New World, alert. then maybe, maybe you shouldn't. Um, but, yeah, we're going to go for it. So we're just two weeks away from the long-awaited Strange New Worlds premiere on May 5th. Uh, the official trailer dropped a few weeks ago and delivered a visual feast to get us hyped for the show, which we talked about on a special Trek Talking episode. Now we have the first five Strange New Worlds episodes titled and details. Strange New Worlds is promised to be an episodic show. Each episode, a new adventure. Co-showrunner Henry Alonzo Myers promised audiences at Mission Chicago, they would introduce new aliens and new planets of the week. Of course, that doesn't mean some elements won't carry over to allow for character growth. Quote, we're trying to be true to canon, but also to introduce something interesting, new creatures you've never seen before. We've been working with Legacy FX to do a bunch of, of really cool prosthetic creatures, as well as some CG stuff. You will be meeting new aliens. There's new aliens almost every week, end quote. Set circa 2259, the series takes place after Pike's time commanding Discovery in Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. Captain Pike will be joined by First O Officer Una, Number 1 Chin Riley, and Science Officer and now Commander Spock, plus legacy characters Nyota Uhura, Dr. Uh, what was his first name? Oi, Oi. Mbega. Yeah, but what was his first name? We talked about it last week. Oyen? Orion? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, oh, that's right. They did reveal it. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He does have a first name. Yep. Mbenga, Nurse Chapel, and some new characters, Lieutenant Commander La'an Noonien Singh, Commander Hemmer, and Lieutenant Erica Ortegas. So, are we ready to dive right in? Episode one is entitled Strange New Worlds. What a coincidence. And the plot synopsis is 
Captain Christopher Pike comes out of self-imposed exile to rescue an officer gone missing during a secret mission. Dun, 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 dun. So, um, yeah. So, um, a lot of these I think we've seen in the trailers so far. Um, The self-titled premiere episode doesn't sound like it's hanging around and wasting much time on introductions. The crew will dive right into a mission out of the starting blocks. We know from official episode stills that we'll see Spock on what looks like Vulcan. Plus, cast listings noted that this episode will be the first of three appearances for Gia Sandu's iconic Tupring character. So this episode sounds like it's going to be, they're going to come out swinging for defenses right off the gate. We also know from the trailers that Pike is hanging out in a cabin in the snow with old corded telephones and antique (laughs) stuff riding a horse across the snow. We know all of this from the trailer. And then a shuttle comes and gets them, and boom. So, yeah, I'm really, really psyched for this. What do you guys think? Sound like a good episode? What do you think, David? Sound interesting? Uh, Yeah, Um, it sounds really exciting, although I'm wondering why they sent a shuttle to go pick them up. Is the transporter not working or something? Because, you know, I guess it wasn't Tuesday. (laughs) But, well, um, it could, well, maybe it could have been the Heisenberg compensators, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, but other than that, yeah. I actually think that the uh, the first episode is going to be very exciting, and um, I can't wait to see it, because this is probably going to be my favorite series of all of Star Trek. And it's going to premiere, Strange New World is going to premiere when we see the finale of Picard, so... We're going to have a busy show that week. I hate when they do yeah. that. I really do. But at any rate, um, episode two is entitled Children of the Comet. Not to be confused with Children of the Corn and He Who Walks Behind the Rose. Um, an ancient alien relic thwarts the Enterprise crew from rerouting a comet on track to strike an inhabited planet. Dun, 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 dun. And... Um, We've already presumably seen a number of moments from this episode in various teasers. Ohura makes note that the away team were standing on a comet in her Ohura trailer. And what looks like that same away team is also shown finding an ancient alien structure and artifact. The sets for this episode look incredible, using, utilizing the new AR wall for full effect. Um, that's the same wall they've been using on Star Trek Discovery. So that's pretty cool. What do you think, David? Does this one sound good? Does it spark your interest? Yeah, totally. What do you think, Paul? Are you up for it? Oh, absolutely. I'm super curious about where they're going. Um, I'm glad they haven't given us too much detail, right? Just a little bit of a log line to get you wondering about stuff. But, uh, it definitely, we get the feeling they're moving around a lot, right? Not stuck in one environment, which is which is great. So keep keep going, yeah, brother. I mean, these episodes and they kind of sound like they're flowing together, and uh, they're not just you know we're over here, we're over there, we're over here, we're over there. It sounds like they're they're going in a straight line, which I think is important for this series if it's going to succeed, which of course it will because Anson mounts the man. Okay. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if it's Discovery's uh, AR wall, or if they build a second AR wall just for <clears throat> Strange 
I think they're using the same studio in Toronto, so I would I would assume it's the same wall, but I I could be wrong. Um, episode three is entitled "Ghost of a, of a, a Lyra." Illyria. Illyria. Yeah. Illyria. Interesting. And the tagline goes: Una must confront a secret she's been hiding when a contagion ravages the ship, incapacitating. The rest of the crew, and we've Ooh. seen clips from this too. Dun 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 dun, dun 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 dun. And um, Rebecca Romaine has been teasing background exploration for her character since the 2020 Star Trek Day panel. And for those who read the Star Trek comics and books, especially the recent Enterprise War, which I did read um, by John Jackson Miller, the name Illyria will ring bells. Illyria is noted as the world in which Una grew up. It'll be exciting to see which beta canon details will be canonized for this character. We know from cast listings that Cameron Roberts' character, Manu Noonien Singh, will show up in this episode. So part of the plot may tie in some way to Leon's family and or past. Who Manu Noonien Singh? Are we supposed to recognize that name? Because I don't. Does anyone recognize that name? Uh, no, I have not looked that one up. That's different from the Nunean thing that we have on the show. So, yeah, I don't right. know. Right. So, anyways. So, yeah, this, this one sounds very, very interesting. But wait, there's more. We also have – so, uh, what do you guys think about this one? This was, does this one sound interesting to you, Charles? Finding out about Una's past? Sorry. Oh, you got my key word in there, backstory, her past. Yep. Oh, that Absolutely. means we get to learn a little more character, character, character backstory on a on them and what's kind of their motivation. I love the, I love those stories. Yeah, sounds that definitely sounds good. Uh, one. Maybe we'll get a little story on what where the sons are coming in. And I think I I believe. That might tie into uh, the next episode, which is what I mean. I think these episodes, even though they are episodic, I think they're going to be more linear than we're used to seeing on Star Trek. Maybe more along the lines of what we saw in Deep Space Nine is what what I'm thinking. Um, So episode four is entitled Memento More. And the tagline reads, Maury. Pike must find unconventional Starfleet methods to deal with a malevolent force that attacks the Enterprise. Sounds interesting, huh? So, uh, Memento Mori from the Latin means, remember that you have to die. Presumably, this relates to Pike's struggles with his horrific fate. From phaser battles on the bridge to Leonian and her security team stalking dark corridors, to Nurse Chapel kicking some sort of pirate's ass and unintelligible encounters with a blue alien. These scenes could all be from this episode or from several. Well, what do you, what do you think, Paul? Oh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I like uh, when you say malevolent force, you've got my attention. All right. And, <laughs> and this is great because this is going to, you know, it's kind of like you and Charles were just saying, right? Backstory, getting back into the character development stuff, which is which what we, you know, are all hoping we're going to get a lot of. But the fact that they're going, you know, that, 
you know, connecting back with Pike's struggle to knowing what your own fate is, right? It's like the, the knowledge you probably wish you didn't have. That's going to be a, a key signpost for that character. And so we're going to have a character or an episode that dives into that a lot here, it sounds like, you know, and the idea of your mortality and free will. So it's it sounds great. I mean, it's the kind of thing that uh, gives you hope that the writing's going to be solid on here. So I'm super yeah. excited. Absolutely. And as long as somewhere, somewhere in the mix, I gotta have a, I gotta have a corrupt Starfleet uh, officer, admiral. right? So, yeah, an admiral or be, yeah, somewhere. They gotta have a, a give me that. Maybe a, a blue alien. Maybe it's an Andorian half breed. Yeah, it could be, could be. And the final. Remember, there's only ten episodes in season one. Episode five is called. Spock Amok. Huh. That sounds extremely familiar. Doesn't <laughs> it? Sounds like another Star Trek episode. Hmm. I wonder. A personal yeah. visit causes a comedy of errors during Spock and Pike's crucial negotiations with an unusual alien species. Um, I think this is the clip, this clip that we see where the Enterprise is in orbit and Pike beams down into this room of arguing people and he just says, uh, Hi there. I think that's the episode that we're talking about here. Uh, The title is a play on Star Trek TOS's Amok Time, and there's no shortage of visual references to the iconic episode in the teasers. The original listing for G.S. Bandu also notes her appearance in this episode, so no doubt Supreme will turn up. What was the most notably interesting in the teasers during Amok references was a very odd encounter, Spock versus Spock. Is it a dream, a hallucination? Who knows? But there does seem to be some visual referencing to Spock's internal battle between his two halves. That is fascinating, my friends. Star Trek Strange New Worlds will premiere on May 5th, two short weeks away, on Paramount Plus for the U.S., Australia, Latin America, and the Nordic countries, plus on the CTTV Sci-Fi Channel and Crave in Canada. International release information is to be announced, but is likely the series will be rolled out along with Paramount Plus as it continues to expand globally. So, what do you think, David? You looking forward to this? Totally. What about you, Paul? (laughs) You've heard heard the plot synopses for all five episodes. What do you think? I'm I'm amped. I'm pretty excited. I mean, I, I there's a lot of stuff that's surprising, right? I I, I don't normally associate Ponfar with uh, a comedy of errors, but I'm excited to see what they do with that. But uh, but no, there's a lot of variety here. You know, you're getting you know, just uh, I kind of hope we don't get information about what the next five episode plots are because I like there to be some surprises and some mystery. And you know, the, the one thing about this is now we have pre expectations. Right. So it's like we're sort of already dialed in and I would kind of love to not know anything more than I do know now, because I think part of like, you know, like you're, you were describing earlier, Uncle Jim, when you uh, the first time you saw a Romulan Warbird and like what a whoa moment it was for you. Right. And oh, absolutely. I, knowing stuff in advance kind of diminishes some of those whoa moments a little bit. Right. It's just like if you had you know, known back then. This week, a colossal Romulan warbird dwarfs the Enterprise D. It would have kind of, you know, lessened that impact. So I, I'm, I love knowing, you know, on the same 
you know, coins flip side, I kind of don't want to know anymore because I just want to be blown away and delighted and surprised by what's coming. And I have a hunch it's going to be full of surprise and delight. So my two cents on it. I, I agree. I think there's a lot to unpack basically, uh, but I couldn't let this go. I couldn't let this slip by. I would be remiss to our global community if we didn't discuss this, you know, <laughs> it just, it, it, you know, it had to happen. And whatever about you, Eric? Are you looking forward to Strange New Worlds and these episodes? How do they sound to you? Yeah, overall, I think I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, the first two episodes are the ones that sound the most interesting to me because they sound like um, plots that I haven't already heard, and they also will include a new cast that I haven't seen before. I mean, I've seen three of them, but you know, I'm assuming the interactions are going to be different and fresh and updated and that sort of thing. Um, when we got to the descriptions of episode three, I was like, oh, Contagion ravages the ship. That's like uh, the naked time and the naked now from TNG and blah, blah, blah. But they say that they're going to explore Una's, you know, Alarian or backstory or maybe her planet or something. So that definitely interests me. But what I, this one plus the next one, um, which, you know, the Pike finds unconventional Starfleet methods to deal with a malevolent force. I mean, we've seen that plot a million times too. So what I'm noticing is that it's no longer about the plot. They're using kind of classic Star Trek plots to then facilitate, you know, development of the character or uh, backstory, you know, knowledge of somebody, that sort of thing. Um, you know, even the, the Spock Amuck one, I mean, you know, they had to throw in the reference, you know, <laughs> just to like really hammer it home. Um, so I'm excited about it. Um, I, I was also, I'm just going to say one thing relative to this. Uh, you know, I love the direction that Star Trek Discovery is taking with like, Star Trek and the cast and the people and the message and the je ne sais quoi of Star Trek. I'm hoping that Strange New Worlds uh, continues that. I've always had this worry that like you bring in the white knight on his horse and all of a sudden his like show is going to usurp the one that I feel like has been more progressive than classic Star Trek has been. So I still think Anson Mount is the man. I still am very excited about this cast, but um, they 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 better not do any damage to the new work that they've already laid down by taking Discovery in new directions and taking Star Trek in new directions. Um, so yeah, super excited about it, but uh, you know, a little bit uh, cautious at the same time. Yeah, and I think well, it's I, a, piggyback on what you said, Eric. Too, it's just like you know, they've. I think this show came into being, I think, for two reasons, because people had such a positive reaction for the Pike arc when Pike and the old Enterprise were shown on Discovery. I mean, that just, everybody went bananas for that. They're like, more, 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 you know, and they've said this is going to be returned to the old-fashioned, you know, kind of, you know, quote-unquote, Planet of the Week original series stuff that the folks say they've been missing. And that's great, and we, we, we're going to be excited to embrace that, but what I hope that it doesn't mean is that we're getting recycled stories 
from right. the original series that we've already been done where it's like, okay, this is like, just like the Gorn episode, or this is just like, you know, Amok time or whatever. So, you know, uh, we want to have the same vibe in terms of our a- affection for those, the exploration, because that's what was really great about it was exploration, but keep those storytelling and the writing as fresh as possible. I mean, that's, that's our hope. So I know we want our cake and eat it too, right? As fans, challenging well, I mean, Paul, dynamics. It's- it's it's completely reasonable, I think, to expect, and I think it becomes harder and harder harder over time. But to expect fresh television, and I think that like the the era of reality TV, the era of remakes of every single movie that we've ever seen before. I mean, they remade freaking RoboCop, which is was an amazing movie, and huh. they still remade it. And I just like so. I, we're just in that era where things are constantly getting remade, and I don't want Star Trek to fall into that same. Right, way. right. Yeah. Well, uh, I think also, that I uh, think they did a such a good that... job with the Pike character and introducing him to Discovery, and people were concerned that Discovery was going to become the Captain Pike show, but it didn't. You know, Pike was the captain, yes, but it was still discovery, even though he was there. And, and if the writers were able to pull that off, I have no doubt that they'll be able to pull off a, a series with him and as the lead. Yeah. Uh, just a quick question. Is the same directors of discovery and going to be the same directors of uh, the strange the world? Yes. Frakes, Frakes will be doing, uh, I don't know how many directors I love I don't know who the others are. Hmm. And uh, what, what about you, Charles? You bring up the caboose on this one. Are you excited about everything we've heard about Strange New Worlds? And what do you think? Well, I think example of Picard, occasionally throws, especially being a, having a time travel episode, we give a few little nods to Star Trek Four. And it's like, I would not mind little nods to the original series. Just don't overdo it. Maybe giving us something that maybe we'll think, they might show an episode like, okay, we'll think it ties into this TOS episode, but then they go a different direction. Give us something to be surprised about. And as for Paul's comment about being leaked about what the first five episodes are, my guess is by the time episode one came, comes out, I will have forgotten the synopses of these episodes and still be surprised what the episode's about. I'll watch the episode. Oh, yeah, I think we talked about what this episode was going to be about. I completely forgot. Because Jim and I are the age we're going to forget anyway. I am long on the tooth. Oh, I bet I'm longer in the tooth than both y'all. <laughs> We're going to have but to I, show our cards on the table here. We're going to have to play Fizbin or uh, Ready Room Poker or something and, and, and come clean at some point. We can, you know, make a good betting episode out of it. Well, we can I do Fizbin, but I'm not playing with Paul on a full moon. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do got to say that there's that uh, with all this talk about going back to Vulcan, there are a couple of characters that could show up there that might surprise us. Oh, well, of course, we, we, well, anyways, I'll leave that up in the air. 
But there are characters that we know in Star Trek that could very well show up there unexpectedly. (laughs) And here's here's what I'll say, Jim. They've already told us that they're going to give us a T'Pring mini arc. And the thing is, is that we already know how that story ends. And so they are going to have to do something totally awesome to make me interested in the T'Pring story because I already know they don't end up together, you know? Well, I, I think that's one of I the, was, like, yeah, go ahead. I was more thinking about Paul. No, I know. Well, you're thinking about Paul. You're thinking about maybe Tapau might actually T'Pau. show as well. Right, Yeah, because they, they yeah. could be there very easily. But, but and so I just pivoted, and I started talking about Tapring. So sorry to steal your thunder there, but uh, just, like, it's one of the things about the show that I'm interested in because they tell us that they're going to give us a mini arc which we already know the end to. So it, to me, the writing will have to be extremely compelling for that, uh, for me to be interested in it. Well, I mean, like, what, what caught, well, we'll talk about that when the episode comes out, because we've yeah. still got a lot more to talk about. So, guys, that wraps up our Star Trek news. Actually, Jim, I'm going to throw one more thing in there that I thought about when I heard about George Strange New World podcast. There's one thing I don't want to see them doing here. That's some of the mistakes that Enterprise did by going, trying to match what was the current path of Star Trek and going down a different plane. Let's not talk about the destruction of California when we've never actually talked about anything ever happening in California. Well, I, right. I, are you are you talking about ret, like to me when that happened in Enterprise, that was a a believable thing that you know just because we hadn't heard about it in Star Trek before, it didn't mean it didn't happen. It was like I mean it was like seven million people or something like that when that giant yeah. freaking laser went through Florida, but. Um, but yeah, is that what you're worried about? You're worried about yeah. Like, that just thing is let's just let's. I don't want to be falling full canon, but let's not reverse the canon. Yeah, That's I don't the think one they're going to do that. that Enterprise yeah. kind of went off on their own trail, and I just don't want to see Strange New Worlds rewriting history that doesn't need to be rewritten. Ooh, we will have to have a special show about that, Charles, because I want to know more about how you think Enterprise rewrote history. Uh, but we'll talk about that another time. All right. Dun, 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 dun. I'm more actually guys. most excited for um, uh, Captain Jonathan Archer to make an appearance. Yeah, well, you know, he'd have to be possible. <laughs> he'd have to be pretty old. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he would be pretty old. <laughs> like, what really you, old. Don't forget... <laughs> Don't forget, we did have the temporal time wars going on, so he no, could be anywhere, no. at, you know, at any time. <laughs> Carl could send well, him also, anywhere. Oh, my God, you guys. It's going off the deep end now. Let's go to commercial quick before we All right, so listen, guys. We, we still have a, we haven't even delved into Star Trek Picard yet, so we're going to do that next. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. 
iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. And every week, guys, because, uh, you know, this is all, we're all fans, just like you. And rather than us talking at you, we like to involve you in the show, which is why we have a phone number, 646-668-2433, which we encourage you to call at any time during the show and talk with us. But in the event that you don't, we also post on our Facebook page every week a questionnaire where we ask you on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, to rate this week's episode. Then we tally up your scores to find out the overall fan score from you guys. And then we talk about it amongst ourselves and see how close we are to what you guys said. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Star Trek Picard Monsters? Well, top fan Mark Newstrom gave it an eight. A couple segments, notably for me, Alice Pill's bar scene seemed out of place, but the rest of the episode was quite compelling. Both Orla Brady and Ito Aguahera continue to impress. I agree. Top fan Sean Jr. set a solid five. Again, not so good episode. Bobby Ann Brailier Muzan gave it a two. It was like watching paint dry. John Murray, conversely, gave it a 9.5. I especially loved the cop at the end. Took a bit of time before I recognized him and realized. He wasn't a cop. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about that. Thanks, John. Sandy Corby gave it a five. The episode was all over the place. Very disappointing until the end. Top fan Jeffrey Ricketts said, loved it so much, I'm guessing a 10. The depths of Picard became more and more apparent with each episode. He's not the stoic and soulless, unreachable god of a captain I see. So many complainers of the show describing in their responses Watch this thread as they all jump on me. <laughs> Jeffrey, you're expecting some retaliation there on that one. Uh, giving it a 10. Paul Lloyd said, not the most exciting. Good to discover the connection to Laris. Gave it a six. Gabriel Rodriguez said, a solid eight. Maybe a few too many plot threads this season, but the exploration of trauma and mental illness was compelling. And this backstory actually explains a lot about why Picard has been so closed off for so long. Doug Alford gave it a 10. I thought it was great. And Alan Dale Tackett gave it a 6. It provided great backstory, but at this point in the season, we should be building towards a climax. So, Jim, this gives us a combined fan score this week way below anything else we've seen before. Uh, our fans rated this one a 7.0, and the next lowest episode was two episodes ago, Fly Me to the Moon, with an 8.5. So um, so we're solidly a point and a half below that with Monsters. So uh, very interested to talk about that today. Absolutely. So now that we've heard about what the fans have to say, why don't we – dive in and talk about it ourselves. So I've got, first of all, I got to say that the line from Dr. Ramirez where she says, are you from outer space? And Rio says, what does he say, Charles? (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I'm uh, no, I'm from Chile. I just work in outer space. Oh my God, that got me. I was like, yeah. I'm sitting yeah. there like, wait a minute, did I just hear what I think I thought I heard? <laughs> and I was but like, clue, clue everybody else in, Jim. Where does it come from, and what's it a reference to? He he did say what I think I thought he said. I'm like that and the bus, all these, these two Star Trek four references all at one time. Yeah, that, that's from Star Trek four when uh, Doctor Julian is with Captain Kirk and they're out at the bar having pizza and beer, and she says you're from outer space, and he says, No, I'm from Iowa. I just work in outer space. Uh, that's that's the scene they're referencing, and I, and I thought it I thought it was great the way Rios just kind of rolled it off his tongue, you know, kind of did his best Shatnerese when he did that. And uh, I thought that was, I thought that was great. I got to no. say, Rios has been I'm like the MVP this year. He's been great. I, yeah. I, I think he's really, just as an actor, I don't know what it is, maybe it's just better content, but he's really stepped up. I feel like he's been just so charismatic and likable. You could you could so picture there just being a spin-off series just with him doing his thing because he is super, he's really showed up. And I think he, he's, you know, he, he's just bringing a, lot, bringing a lot of good energy to the show. Like him a lot. Well, you don't get to be the captain of the USS Stargazer for nothing, huh. right? So there's there's yep. that. So I wanted to start off the show with that because I thought that was a great nod, and I thought they played it perfectly. I thought that people that didn't catch the nod wouldn't really care, and it would be just another line. But for those people like us that are long on the tooth and short in the tongue, we would have caught that, and it just would have been a little chuckle. Kind of like something you would see on Lower Decks. So I really, really enjoyed that. But the one thing that I wanted to talk about the most was Rios bringing the doctor and her son on his ship. Now, he goes, he, he goes out of his way in the beginning to say, well, I, I, I can't tell you anything that would break time. So he's trying not to give her any information about the future, yet he beams a neurotransmitter into his hands and gives it to her to fix Picard. And as if that's not enough of a violation, beams her and her son to the ship. So let's talk about that a little bit here, guys. First of all, is anything that happens in this, in this Q timeline actually going to have any effect on the prime timeline in the first place? I guess that's the first thing we got, we, we need to decide because in my mind, and I could be wrong, this is a Q-created timeline, and regardless of anything they do, it, it's, it's not going to affect anything that happens later because Q created the whole thing in the first place, right? Wrong? Maybe? Sort of? Kind of? Do I don't know that we definitively know that yet, though. I, I don't know that we – I think we, we are assuming that's the case, but if that's the case, then why is Q having these issues with his powers if it's a timeline that he created? So I think there's something else going on that we don't have information about yet. I think that there's the assumption that that's there, but he also said early on that this is a timeline that, that kind of exists because of something Picard did and that, that he was not responsible for it. He intimated that earlier on. So I think we're in kind of a vague area where it's really super tempting to make these assumptions about what's happening and where we are, but I don't think we know. I, th- I think it's it's really easy to kind of just, you know, think it's a s- certain thing, but I don't think we have a definitive answer yet. I think that's something, those are cards on the table that have not been turned over yet. 
Yes, maybe maybe tonight's episode will shed some light upon that. Because you know, Hugh doesn't podcast. know the stuff he doesn't know. He's kind of in the dark, right? And uh, you know about some stuff, at least about what's going on with himself. He seems like very much surprised by by that, and that's to me a super fascinating wrinkle. I want more of that. And I think that uh, oh. I'll just you know with go. I don't want to get too off in the weeds here, but just you know as far as like last week's episode, I find that the episodes where Q is not present are just do not connect as strongly as when he is, because John Delancey is awesome. That guy is he just he did not show up for a paycheck here. He showed up to really uh, bring something new to this role and the legacy of that character. He's dynamite. Really great. Well, I have a theory. Q says to Picard, well, in the very first episode when when the uh, Agnes Queen shows up and tries to assimilate the Stargazer uh, and says to Picard, look up the whole thing, and she's wearing a mask. I think we know who, I, I think it's Agnes from the Q timeline. And when Q says to Picard that he created this, out of his avarice, I think that what happened was when he decided to self-destruct the Stargazer, uh, they all died, so they're all dead. So they're trying to get back to a future where they don't exist because they all died. So even if they fixed time, they wouldn't know because they died. But I, Picard, she says to Picard, I wanted to check in on my old friend, and I saw this giant explosion, and lo and behold, it was you, or some line like that so i'm thinking that whatever picard when he exploded the ship now i'm assuming that the the antimatter explosion took out the entire fleet I, I, when that much antimatter and matter comes together blah 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 it was no. a massive explosion no, no no we've seen we've seen ships with warp core breaches like blow up just you know a few thousand kilometers off of some other ship's bow so that would not take out a fleet but did Scotty not say in Star Trek the motion picture that when Kirk just blew up the Enterprise, when that much matter and antimatter comes together, yes, Lassie, we will take her with us. And Vija yeah, was they also, power they to also, the 12th. <laughs> they also said in the original movies that you couldn't actually go to warp safely within uh, a solar system because it forms a wormhole, and that's, there's that whole scene in the movie but in fact, the Enterprise D goes to warp right next to a planet all the time. So there are some differences uh, that happen throughout Star Trek. So when 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 Picard self-destructed, you don't think the rest of the fleet went up? Just, I don't think the, the rest of the no, I don't think the rest of the fleet went up. I think just the Stargazer went up. But here's what I do think: the rest of the fleet was being assimilated at the time and controlled. So if it did blow up, it was because it was assimilated and controlled, and not because it was in proximity to the warp core. That's my. And guess. fellas, did we actually see the Stargazer blow up? I'm trying to remember, or did we, yeah, just we see, see like a, a zoom in? We, we did see, really see it explode. Bright. Yeah, we see like a really bright light when it when it blows. But up. we didn't and actually. see see it see it it was kind of no, like a transitional thing there's right no body. Oh. yeah there's no body uh yeah like we don't see a blown up stargazer afterwards it was a transition like to move us to another scene it's true but what i will say is that in so in the second episode of this season um seven is talking about how time has been broken and how the board queen can you know see between timelines and that sort of thing and she says that they basically 
there's a there's been a corruption in the timeline, and the idea is that they travel back before that corruption takes place. So I have always been a proponent of this. This has been the Q-verse all along, and like anything could happen, and who the heck knows if there's any stakes to anything. But I'm kind of starting to come around to the fact that, okay, we went to the Q-verse, which was because there was a corruption in the timeline. So there's there's an alternate reality out there where Q loses his power and somehow he brought Picard into that reality to show him what was going wrong. And then when they went back, it might actually be still on our same track, on our same like prime timeline track. The only thing I can't explain with regards to that is Guinan. Uh, Well, my theory, my theory is this, that Agnes right now, Agnes is battling with the Borg queen. And I love that story arc. I really, I think, I think, I think that she, well, she's an incredible singer, first of all, um, and I just think it's great that we're getting, we're seeing this conflict between her and the queen. So I'm thinking that in my theory, which could be total horse crap, that in the future, the Borg queen, in the past, the Borg queen uh, takes control of her and she starts assimilating all these people and. The Borg ship that shows up with the, against the Stargazer in Episode One is actually Agnes controlling the Borg they assimilated from the alternate timeline in the past, coming up to the future to meet with Picard now when he blows up the ship and kills her and blows up the spatial anomaly. That has a, a ripple effect because that spatial anomaly and the Borg Queen and Agnes are from this alternate universe. It ripples back into this other universe and causes these problems that Q is having in the past. That's my theory. Could be full of crap, but no, I think that's that, what I'm I think thinking. it's very I think it's very possible, Jim, but um we have to ask ourselves what is the moral of the season of Picard, right? Like because when we come down to Star Trek, Star Trek is a morality play. It always has a moral at the end of it. And right now in the first episode, what we get is we get betrayal. For the first time, we're going to trust the Borg and we're going to give them a chance to talk to us and it's going to be great. And then, you know, future Borg queen beams on board and starts assimilating crap and all hell breaks loose. That, that to me is like, like, where's the, where's the moral in that? Where's the like ultimate payoff in that? So, they have to like either resolve that into something positive by the end of the season. And we find out that she was assimilating the fleet because it saves everybody in the end or, you know, something like that. Or if they don't do that, then, then to me, it corrupts the entire season. Like, honestly, the very, very beginning of it, the whole premise is that we trust somebody. And once again, they stab us in the back. And so what's the lesson? never trust anybody right that's not a lesson that i think picard's trying to teach so they better resolve well they have to like i said they have to because if they don't then (laughs) they're all dead and even if they fix the past it won't make any difference they're all dead so we would never know if the future was fixed because they're not in it so they have to know that they're not dead because they appear in season three yeah Oh. And I mean, well, the board queen can very easily stop the explosion. I don't. I don't think the explosion is like the the you know the most interesting part of of this because I think anybody could stop the explosion. I think the the interesting part of it is like 
is the board queen just doing the same old board queen stuff or is there some kind of new and fresh take on the board queen that we're actually going to get out of this or, or, or not? You know, I just like, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for like insight into, I've always said, I love Picard because it's a little bit of a, like peek behind the curtain. You finally get to know a little bit about the man that you always thought was just like this impenetrable force. Um, but I also think that, you know, his board past is a huge part of that. And they better not just do the same old thing with the Borg over and over again, or it becomes way less interesting. Like there needs to be some kind of movement forward on the Borg story here. We've already, we already destroyed the Borg like five times. We did it in first contact. We did it in Voyager like three or four times. So, <laughs> you know, come on, give me something new, Borgish. How well, certainly the see? relationship with the queen and, um, and Gerardi is feels new though, right? That it kind does. of well, dynamic. We're yeah, we're seeing development of a board queen for the first time, which is very interesting, for sure. Because what's interesting is like, okay, what I'm curious about is so much of this is we're us being, you know, super nervous and worried about, oh, you know, we're kind of like, uh, we're like Seven's perspective, right? Where we're like, I'm really worried about Gerardi and what's going to happen because of her influenced by the Boar Queen, right? But a fun thing to think about is, well, what kind of influence is Jurati having on the Boar Queen? Mm. Is she changing her in any way or giving her a different perspective? Is it all one-sided? You know, I don't know. Curious. Mm. Fun to think about, though. But mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. We don't want the same kind of resolution, the same kind of ending, the same kind of like, all right, there we go. It's like we were talking about our, you know, concerns about Strange New World. We don't want been there, done that, you know, rinse, wash, repeat again, right? Well, one of the things that about this season and that was interesting is to learn about Picard's mother and that she was suffering from mental illness and the relationship that she had with the young Jean-Luc and how he felt guilty for what happened to her all these years. And just as just as they're going to open the door, they stop, and then um, Laris, or what's her name, Talon? Talon yeah, uh, says there's more to this story, and we never see the door open. So there, we, we get to learn about Picard and his mother and the, that she actually had a, a mental illness. And I thought that was a great dynamic to learn about this Did character. Did Picard ever grow up with his mother? Yeah. Well, was she, like, taken away or something? No. As yeah, far we don't as we know. know. As far as we know, they grew up together, and um, we know at some point, I think we know at some point that they, his parents separate, right? Um, but, that's, but that's about all we know. We, we see, like, both of them old in a couple of episodes of, T, of TNG. Um, one of them is kind of, like, almost like an alternate reality one. It's where no man has gone before in uh, TNG where Picard sees his like older mother offering him tea, that sort of thing. But yeah, we don't know all the details for sure. Right. We don't, we don't know exactly, but that brings me around to, we meet Picard's father and who is Picard's father, Eric? Oh, man, I was, like, so excited when I learned he was going to be in this. So uh, he's, of course, played by James Callis, um, who, of course, played Gaius Baltar in our new iteration of Battlestar Galactica. And cool little trivia point, Jim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you. 
We'll see if you're ready. Uh, there is one other actor who has crossed the T the uh, Star Trek Battlestar Galactica barrier. Do you know who that actor is? Yes, of course I know. He played a Klingon. <laughs> yes. And, and and he played the I don't know if he was the Supreme Commander, but uh, he was in command of his own Battlestar. I mean, base star and fleet of Spylons, and he was Adama's arch nemesis. So both James Callis and John Colicos have played Gaius Baltar in different iterations of Battlestar Galactica, and of course, uh, yep. John Colicos, also known as the original core from uh, TOS and DS9. So yeah, uh, the I love the the Har Master uh, core and. I, the the fact that they brought James Callis into this, I thought was great. Um, I did not uh, necessarily Gaius Baltar him because I think they they put him in a different context here, which I thought was really good. Um, but it did take me a couple. It it honestly took me two watchings of the episode to really understand what was going on. Uh, and his character was part of that. It's so enigmatic at the beginning and you so don't have any clue what's going on the very first time you watch the episode. And then later on, you kind of start to get it. And then when you finish the episode, you're like, okay, I kind of want to watch that again because now I think I get it. And I think I'll start to get like what's going on if I watch it a second time. So my question, I, he was wearing a deep space nine uniform. Yeah. So, and, and what we, what we, what we know from, season one of Picard is that when when they appear they appear in the last clothing they wore when they died so is, is he envisioning his did his father die around deep space nine and that's why he's coming to him in a deep space nine uniform no no, no like no. data did in his nemesis no. uniform no i think in in this episode we're getting a picard's memory version of the past and so we can't take anything like he didn't wander around with his mom wearing a golden crown all the time. Right. It was his, it was the stories that his mom was telling him all along the way that caused his childhood memory to sort of twist, twist the memory a little bit and remember it in a different way. And I think that's what's going on with Maurice here. He, he remembers him when he was in that, that type of uniform in the heyday, which is why it's a little weird. He, he says eventually, like, I didn't really know you at all. Uh, that felt like a little bit of a contradiction to me there because he obviously, and the fact that during the entire episode, he actually has no idea who the guy is somehow, even though he's his father. That part was confusing for me. But I do think it's because that's the way Picard remembers him, that he's wearing that uniform. That's my guess. I think they're also kind of saying that, you know, part of Picard's personality is right. Like if he's going to open up and relate to somebody, he seems to have a better time doing that emotionally. If it's to somebody who's like in uniform up here and in uniform, exactly. Yeah. It's just kind of like a comfort thing for him to enable to have trust where maybe before without the uniform of his father, it seems like there's a lot of trust going on there. That's, that's kind of broken or, or, mm-hmm. or disrepair. So yeah. interesting choice. Thought- yeah, I actually thought that Picard mentioned that his father wasn't in Starfleet. No, his father was in Starfleet. Yeah. His father his, his father was in Starfleet, but he was still a, a Luddite and didn't like things like replicators and stuff. And eventually when he got older, he left Starfleet and he went and he grew 
grapes the same way his dad had back in the day in the old ways. So speaking of opening up to someone you trust, what did you think about finding out that Laris or that Talon is actually a Romulan and a descendant of Laris? Did that not blow your mind? Uh, I'm not sure. It did mine. Through the tenet of it. I think that was made to comfort Picard. I think she talked about shape changing. I think it's just part of her character. But I think because she went into Picard's head, I think she realized who Laris was, is, and decided to give that to Picard to give him a little more comfort and to have him be constantly looking at her saying, okay, not Laris but that maybe a little more comfort being a little more closer to being Laris and help Picard out so he can focus on dealing with the other issue, other issues we have to deal with. But she in the real world, like decloaks her ear after he comes back. So I, I think that it's like, it's clear that she is really a Romulan and then, then that's not like something that she contrived for the benefit of Picard, to me, that moment was just like, oh, you know, saw it coming a million miles away. I mean, when she first was at last episode, when she puts on the little device to go into his head and the thing has like a Romulan ear, right? I <laughs> noticed little, that. It's got like a little pointy uh, ear to it. So you're like, They oh. made a mistake and, on and that. And she looked, well, well, no, foreshadowing I mean, she looked maybe. Yeah, she looked at her pad, and when you she when you looked at the, her pad, there was literally Romulan lettering on her, on like her little device, her little Gary Seven device. So, I think we knew it was coming. Um, so it didn't really feel like a big reveal to me. Oh goodness, Laris is actually Laris, <laughs> or descendant of. I mean, we'll we'll have to see. It's the jury's out as far as I'm concerned as to whether she's actually a descendant or whether she is actually Laris, um, because. We just know so very little about Gary Seven, and I mean, we we know like what century he comes from and stuff. The comic books teach us a little bit more about the organization that he works for, but that's not prime canon. So, um, you know, it, it could possibly uh, actually be Laris. We don't know. It's like Section Thirty One from the Mirror Universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting. Or or the yeah, I mean the. Uh, temporal there's a there's a group that like keeps things in line um from the voyager episode relativity that uh is just like the the temporal people who are just kind of watching out making things happen okay that always seemed like a gary seven thing to me and definitely a a alien thing well while we're talking about that what about guinan cracking a bottle of wine calling q and waving her fingers like we saw in the Q Who episode. So they kind of touched on Guinan's backstory with Q uh, just a little bit, but, but they did touch on it. And I think that was something that David said that he wanted to see in this, epi- in this season. And we did kind of get to see it, but it didn't work out the way we kind of thought it would work out. But what, what did you think about that, David? Were you happy with that? No. <laughs> Certainly not. I oh man, I was really hoping for something better because honestly, 
that just sounds like a genie in a bottle type of scenario. And to me, I was just like, seriously, that's all they could come up with. I was like, no. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. It's so it probably Star Trek ish, I guess. But it's to me, I was really hoping for something better. That just kind of really disappointed me. Oh, we waited all this time, oh. and now it's like, oh. <clears throat> what did you think, Paul? With the bottle? When tells a story to Picard about we, we cracked, we made this truce over wine, and Alorians think that wine and, and food and drink is the way to the soul and, and all this whole thing. Yeah, and she I mean, cracks open the bottle. Yeah. It seemed a little, to me, a little, you know, oh, God. It, it seemed more metaphysics and less science to me, if we're, we're talking science fiction, right? It just seemed a little bit more kind of touchy-feely magic thinking than the, you know, I mean, we've had a little insight into the Elorians in the past, and we know there's been this thing between her and and uh, and Q for a long time, but but all of a sudden, I mean, I'm i it, it did it, it very much evoked this kind of like genie in a bottle thing, which is kind of you know it's clearly a lot of the writers on the show are way into mythology and way into you know these kind of old tropes and bringing back those things and dealing with the subconscious and they love all those touchstones, but but I didn't get a good hit off it. It, it to me it, it kind of diminished Guinan. Uh, I I'd love to know where this Guinan, like who her personal trainer is, because her arms kick ass. My God, she's in ridiculous shape. But uh, but 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 as far as the storytelling goes, with it, it's just like eh, eh, I don't know. It just it, that 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 lost me a little bit there. Um, I'm I'm hoping they can redeem that with episodes we have yet to see. But the more important thing, though, it didn't work. And she said it never doesn't work. But, but what does that mean, work, though? So, because right, to so, me, when other, there's one other time this whole season when something that's normally always works doesn't work. And that's with Q, right? Where Q tries to do his thing and snap his fingers and make something happen. And he's like, well, that's unexpected. And he looks extremely worried, right? That's the only other time something like that's happened this season where someone's expected ability or outcome doesn't manifest itself. So to me, the fact that she's not able to summon the cue like she thought she could, it's, it's not on her and it's not on the bottle. It's on cue. Is something wrong there. And that's where, right. you know, I think a lot of what's still to be revealed in this season. What's up with cue? It's, it's, it's the entire Q continuum, not just John Delancey. Because Maybe. I she, don't know. We don't know. Well, she specifically said a Q, any Q, the nearest Q, not, not John Delancey. So yeah, that but he's the nearest that, Q, so, so I guess he would well, be the one. But it's just like, it's whatever yeah. limitations that serve the plot, right, that serve the story. I mean, we, you know, it, it's, it's, you know they'll, they'll do whatever they, they think thematically fits. But just, I think there's got to be a connection there. There, there has to be. Um, uh, uh, I will say this episode played better for me on a second viewing than it did on the first viewing. Yes. Totally. The first and, viewing, and more I, was, importantly, I don't know. The biggest question the most important question of all is will they make that bottle in Star Trek wines and will you get to taste it? That's the big <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> nicely done, sir. Well, well done. <laughs> I, 
I hope I don't have to open my mouth and blow smoke out like Guinness. Yeah, I know. I, I hope that, it doesn't break everything in your in your room of awesomeness when we open the door. Uh, no, we can't have that go. We'll uh, do that one outdoors, brother. So uh, we'll, just, we'll be prepared. <laughs> well, the the only other thing I wanted to mention, and we're doing real good on the time too. I wasn't sure if we'd squeeze everything in, but the only other thing I wanted to mention was who was this this time cop who well, shows up at the end. So. So, Jim, you're, you're jumping ahead. In this episode, he's an FBI agent. We don't know that he's a time cop, but well, uh, do you want to spoil, like, who the actor was? Is that where you're going with this? Well, no, what I'm saying is he, this, this dude shows up with videos of him transporting, starts talking yeah. about aliens and time traveling and all this, all this other stuff, and just shows up there with a SWAT team to arrest him. So like it all seems like it was it was you know planned out in advance because SWAT teams aren't just wandering the streets. I mean, so they had to uh, you know have that plan. They had to be following Picard and Guinan at some point so, for, to have. So the, that so that FBI agent that walks into the bar and asks for a drink is played by Jay Carnes who back in the TNG days was uh, also the gentleman who played Lieutenant Duquesne of the USS Relativity from Voyager. Um, And you may or may not remember that uh, Duquesne is like, he's one of the officers on that ship and that, that, that episode deals with an organization called the Temporal Integrity Commission. Um, And it's, it's, you know, all about preserving the timeline. So to me, you do not bring an old actor back unless you plan to use them in a very, very interesting way. And for those folks who caught that Jay Carnes was that FBI agent and maybe connected him to Lieutenant Duquesne, I really hope they exploit that connection because I'm assuming right now that you're right, Jim, that he's some sort of time cop. He's, he's somebody who's like, you know, not freaked out by the fact that there's a transporter happening. He sees that there's a transporter happening in the 21st century and that it should not be happening. And so that's why he is detaining um, Picard and Guyon. Have you watched today's episode yet? Have you watched the new episode? No, we haven't. I'll be curious to have that conversation. I'm I'm old and I would spoil it for everybody. So I, I, (laughs) that's why we don't, that's why we, none of us watches it beforehand because otherwise I I normally don't, but I couldn't resist. I got to just throw in real, (laughs) if Jay Carnes, this actor, uh, it's like, if you've never seen him on a show called the shield. Oh yeah. Oh my God, he was fantastic. Everybody forgets that show, but he was just dynamite on that, and that's one of the best drama cop dramas in the last like twenty years, easy. So it's just he's a he's a terrific actor. I was really excited to see him on here, just kind of making that kind of casual, you know. Oh, your bar's closed, huh? Sorry, you know. I'm I'm more of a sci-fi guy. I mean, it was a great intro, right? (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm right there with you. Super curious to see how they connect that up, if they do connect that up, or just what they're playing with. But uh, you know, the the casting folks on uh, Picard are, are has some interesting things up their sleeves. It seems to me, so they do a great job. Well, the costume people on Picard definitely do a great job, as we know from Dorothy. Uh, so oh gosh, she's a miracle worker. That's pretty cool. 
So there's we, another we TV actually... show I kind of wanted to uh, show that he's also on it. He does pretty well. Um, has anybody ever seen a spy show called Burn Notice? Mm, no. Oh, I remember. I was Burn Notice on that show? Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, he was on, on that. Show. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah, good yeah, show, yeah. actually. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot yeah. of episodes of it, but it's it's got a huge following. Burn Notice is great. Yeah, he still yeah. watches it all the time. That's he does like pretty well on that too. Yeah, that's like 2000. Yeah, very cool. Very cool reference. Wow. Yeah, cool. Good job. Well, guys, I want to believe throw it or in not. one comment. Go ahead, Charles. Throw in one comment that we discussed on Monday. And somebody said the line when Picard's father says to Picard, at least I didn't lose my hair. And one of the hosts, I think, mentioned, oh, that doesn't sound right. I looked at a picture of Picard's father. Picard's father was balding, not bald. Yeah. He didn't lose all his hair. He lost a lot of the hair on the top of his head, but he still had a, uh, a ring of hair around the top of his head. Such a he sensitive topic for a bunch of male uh, guys here. I'm like, hold on. Yeah. It's, yeah. like, uh, it's like, well, we're all very sensitive, Charles. Be careful. And he was like Mr. Whipple, <laughs> what he reminded me of. <laughs> you know, don't squeeze the Charmin. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was, we, we got everything in, which is great. And we, we, nice. we're, we're doing great. So now is the part of the show. We talked about the episode. We heard what the fans thought. We shared some of our thoughts. The, the fans gave it a seven. So let's start off with you, David. What, are you with the fans? What do you think? One to ten, ten being the best. Well, with this whole Guinan Q thing, I was really disappointed. I am probably going to have to give my lowest score ever, and I'm going to go below five. I'm actually going to go with a 3.5. <laughs> 3.5 so Yeah, I was so bummed out. Like, oh, man. All right. 3.5 from David. Paul. Fans gave it a 7. David gave it a 3.5. Where do you fall on the scale? All right, I'm coming clean. Uh, I had a really negative reaction to the first episode, or the first viewing of this, because I've watched it twice, and I would have initially said 4. I watched it a second time, and uh, I actually had a much better reaction to it. I would probably give it more of a 6 right now, and I'm holding these episodes up against the first three, which were so strong, right? And I just feel like it's, you know... uh, they got to be as good as they initially set the bar to be. And, uh, and so I'm, I sound like I'm a little hard. It's only because I love those first three so much. Um, you got to really do something for me, guys. You got to explain to me why we're having this whole core subplot with her and, the, and Soong, because it's like my engagement just plummets when those guys, when that plot takes on, and comes onto the screen. It's not nearly as interesting. I, I need to find out what's going on with Agnes, all that other stuff. Fascinating, but man, they are killing me with that plot. I'm just like, it's, it's just not as uh, engaging. So second viewing did me a lot better, um, but still uh, I'm right there with uh, what you guys have been saying for me, least satisfying episode of the season so far. And how about you, Charles? I'm not going to quite go that low. I'm sort of with the fans. Say about a... Uh, split the difference. 7.25. 7.25. Yeah, 
7.25. And how about you, Eric? Uh, you know, I'm a little bit with Paul on this one. I do feel like the second viewing really enhances the enjoyment of the episode. And I kind of feel like that's because they leave things in mystery just a little bit too long at the beginning and you start not to care who his father is before you find out that he's his father. But the second time you watch, you're like, Oh, he's his father. And you're really engaged with it. So um, that and the Guinan thing, which I agree with a hundred percent with David was just weak sauce. Uh, it was just straight up weak sauce. Like I love the story, but the whole summoning Q thing, I was like, what is even happening right now? Um, so <laughs> I, I will, I'm going to go low too, but I don't think it was a terrible, terrible episode because I really like diving into Picard's mind. I really liked um, Laris, like becoming part of that journey to help pull him out of his shell, so to speak. And I loved learning more about both of his parents. So lots and lots of awesome backstory in this episode, just a couple of executions that were like, ugh. So uh, I'll give it overall a seven, um, but that's, wow. being, that's being perhaps a little generous, I was going to say. Marona, me. Well, 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 that leaves me for the end. And I'm going to say that, um, first of all, following up that, that 30-second delve into nothingness um, that was total disappointment, um, they followed that up with this one and I enjoyed the Rios thing with him and the doctor and the, and the, the kid. I thought that was great. Um, Agnes and the Borg Queens got me really intrigued and finding out of Picard and his backstory was, was awesome. Laris being there was really cool. And um, Rafi and seven going after the queen and seven talking about, she could assimilate the whole world. If she, if she gets enough endorphins, I really enjoyed it. I thought this episode was a bounce back, and I think we're we're getting to a point now where we're going to start seeing these threads pulled together. They're pulling the threads and they're tightening up the story oh, here. I hope and so. I think that <laughs> unfortunately, <need> what <laughs> watching this would be like us reviewing a book on Book Nook and reviewing it one episode at a time without knowing yeah. future one episodes. chapter at a that's time. The, yeah, you're right. That's the problem. These are just chapters in a story, and uh, but I enjoyed it, and I'm going to give it an eight. So nice. that's my take on it. And that wraps up this week's episode of Trek Talking, guys. Believe it or not, we're going to be back oh, on Monday <laughs> with a cadet training episode, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek, the animated series, yesteryear, which if you have not seen it, if you skipped the animated series for whatever reason, I recommend you watch this one. I also recommend you watch The Infinite Vulcan and you want to find out about the 50-foot Spock. Um, Those are the two I would recommend you watch. But this one, definitely. We're going to break it down and talk about it on Monday night, so you definitely don't want to miss that. And we've got a lot of of fun in the works, a lot of things. I've got pokers in the fire all over the place, a lot of stuff that I'm working on that I don't want to spill yet because I – don't have all the details and I'm still working on them, but lots of fun stuff. So I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much to my truck experts. We'll start off with our, with our Portland bunch. So thank you, David, for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. It really means a lot to us. Thank you, David. Yeah, you're welcome. It's really fun. 
And, of course, thank you so much to Paul, the wine guy, for taking time out of his schedule to hang out and chat with us. Thank you, Paul. Great conversation tonight, friends. And, wow, were you not kidding about yesteryear? If I know so many people who have not watched the animated series, and that is one of the best Star Trek stories ever. If you've never watched it, oh, my goodness, you're going to love it. Jim got to does not it. exaggerate. It's amazing. You will, you will it's be a thrilled. good one. It's a really good one. And wrapping up our Portland crew, of course, we have Eric. So thank you so much for hanging out and Trek talking with us, Eric. You bet. Thanks, guys. And swinging over to Vegas, thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. Still so much Trek news to talk about. We just keep it going. Yeah, we're in a golden age of Star Trek right now. And I do want to let you guys know one little piece of information. We are working on a Trek Talking t-shirt. That's right. We're working on a Trek Talking t-shirt, and hopefully um, I will have some printed or at least have some pictures of them up on our Facebook page so that you guys can, uh, can get in on the action and have some official Trek Talking apparel Show your support for Truck Talking with an awesome T-shirt. I'll get some pictures up on the Facebook page as soon as I can. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Star Trek fans are the best fans. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.